You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Man, it is so good to be back. You know what's funny about things that you love is that when you don't do them, even it's just for like one time or just a couple of days or in this case a week because this is a weekly show, you really find out how much you miss it. And my apologies for everybody that was trying to tune in last week and, you know, caught a replay of whatever show, uh, whatever previous show um, Frank decided to put on. But, man, migraines are debilitating and I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. And that's exactly what I was going through last week. And my apologies again, but I'm feeling a lot better. And so um, I'm, I'm glad to be back on air doing what I love and Hopefully you guys are having a great week so far. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Got a lot to talk about. What's up, man? I'm doing drops, man. I'm sorry. I'm trying to distract over here. I'm trying to be the guys behind the basket right now while you're trying to free throw in the Uh. city stadium. (laughs) It's all right, man. I remember those days. I remember those days. I was an 86% free throw shooter, by the way. Just, just, just so you know that. Not bad, bro. That's pretty good. Not bad, not bad. I did get distracted one time. Do, do you know what? Do you remember a long time ago, um, UNC and Duke? There was this. You know the Cameron Crazies. They're they're crazy. Oh yeah. There was this. I forgot what UNC free throw. Sh- what, what what UNC player was at the free throw line? And there was this guy that was behind the basket at Cameron Indoor, and he made everybody in the student section behind the basket sit down. And he like got lifted up, and he was wearing a, a, a speedo, like those really really tight speedos. Took his clothes off, and like he he blossomed up like a flower. It was the most hilarious thing. The guy missed both free throws. Wow. He missed both. I'm gonna you know what? YouTube it. I Find- want I want I want to look at it right now. I want to know how it was possible that he was able to strip down in the speedos inside of a facility like that, especially on a campus. Well, think about it, because he obviously went into the game with his clothes on, right? The guy gets to the line, and he already had this planned out. He told everybody in the free throw line, look, whenever this guy goes to the free throw line, I guess he had it with this certain player, whatever, um, I'm going to strip down really quick. Everybody you know, around me be standing up, and when he gets to the line, everybody sit down, and I, he literally blossomed up like a flower. Then he started doing this weird dance. I'm going to find it on the break, and I'll, I'll text it, or if you find it, you know, it's hilarious. I'm on it right now. <laughs> it's funny, man. But, um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today, man. Uh Last week, I was going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game because last week that would have been, you know, fresh on my mind because the All-Star Game was two weekends ago. I might touch on it a little bit. It might be a little bit old news, but still some stuff that I, you know, feel is relevant to talk about. Um, NBA midseason report, I got some stuff that I wanted to talk about there. We'll talk about, we'll touch on uh, NFL free agency. And Kane's spring ball has begun, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you that bleed orange and green like myself, there's nothing better than hearing about Kane's football in the spring, in March. Practice started on Monday. We're going to have Manny Navarro of The Athletic calling in at about 1 o'clock, well, at 1 o'clock to, you know, talk some Kane's football, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let's get into some NBA talk because I'm, I'm – Watching, you know, some games last night. I'm watching specifically Boston and Utah, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, Boston, ever since the break, they've been playing a little bit better. And then leading up to the break, or was it? Yeah, leading up to the break and kind of a little bit since the break, uh, since the All-Star break, Utah hasn't been playing as well as they started off the season. Really didn't mean much. I mean, the game yesterday at Boston, Utah won that one. Boston put up a good fight, but it kind of just makes you wonder. Remember, last season – uh, Boston made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost to the Heat. And so you're kind of thinking heading into this season, you know, Boston is going to be one of those teams that the 
you know, one of the uh, upper echelon teams in the conference, not so much the case. You look at Boston's roster and you kind of think, well, what's the problem? They have maybe two of the most dynamic young players in the NBA. Not the most dynamic, but at least maybe the yes, the best young duo in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, if they're not the best, and at least top three for sure. Okay, I can't really think of two younger guys on the same team that are that are dynamite scorers right now, you know, playing together at the same time. But you look at their roster, and it's like, what are they missing? You know, uh, they're not the greatest rebounding team, right? So size is, is an issue. Even though in today's NBA, a lot of teams go small. Look, when you need a rebound, you know, there's, there's really only one way to get it. You put your, your, your biggest guys in there. And right now they are lacking some size. But I was listening to uh, – some guys talking about the Boston Celtics, and they brought up a very, very, very good point. And they play a lot. I didn't really notice this until you kind of really look at the stats. I don't watch a lot of Boston Celtics basketball. But uh, according to, you know, the numbers I was looking at and the conversation I was listening to, they do play a lot of iso ball, okay? And that's evidenced by, you know, the assists that they don't put up, Okay. You think about Jalen Brown, you think about Jason Tatum, and, you know, these guys are averaging combined maybe about 50-some-odd points a game. Okay, cool. But then, you know, the two best scorers on the team combined, they only average about maybe nine, ten assists a game. And that's not a formula for success. You're thinking about, okay, well, what about Kemba Walker? He hasn't been himself. Okay, the, guys hasn't been, the guy hasn't been 100%. And when you think about it, he is not the type of point guard that you want on that team. Because with that team right now, they need like a Chris Paul, like a Rajon Rondo. They need like that floor general that doesn't need uh, shots to be effective, okay? He, 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 they need that floor general that's going to put everybody in, uh, in their position, find the mismatches, and get that half-court offense going. Kemba Walker's not that guy. I'm not, I'm not saying Kemba Walker's a bad player. I'm not saying Kemba Walker cannot do that, but that's not the best way to get Kemba Walker's full effect, if you ask me. That guy's a scoring point guard. I'm not saying, like I said, he can't set up the offense. Maybe at this point in his career, uh, he's going to have – and not. And I'm not calling him an old guy either. But since he's clearly the third option on this team, maybe it's time for Brad Stevens and company, maybe the staff, to start thinking about his role changing a little bit. We're about eight days away from the trading deadline, and so you got to kind of wonder what they're going to do because this is a team that Danny Ainge every every seemed like every off season you looked, every uh, draft day you looked, they had like three or four picks in the first or in the draft period. Okay, they always had something up their sleeves, and then for the next year they had three or four draft picks, and then they were always loaded with assets and assets and assets for days. So it's kind of confusing as to, you know, you look at their team and they have holes, right? So um, I'm not sitting here saying that Danny Age is mismanaging that roster. I mean, that guy, is to me, is one of the better uh, GMs in the NBA. But you look at them and you're not getting the best out of – out of their team right now. And it's, it's, it's just confusing because it's really night and day. And I know COVID has, you know, changed a lot of things, but everybody's dealing with COVID. Everybody's, everybody's dealing with COVID. So you just kind of have to put that on the back burner and not sort of use that as a crutch because, like I said, everybody's dealing with the same things right now. So that's one thing I was kind of thinking about because you look at Boston right now and in the Eastern Conference, get this, they are 
the Charlotte Hornets are ahead of Boston right now. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought that at 20 and 18, the Charlotte Hornets are fifth in the Eastern Conference and are half a game ahead of Boston with a 20 and 19 record the Boston Celtics sit at. You got the Hawks who are playing a lot better after their coach got uh, fired. They're at 20 and 20, uh, seven and three in their last 10 games. Uh, just like Charlotte, Charlotte is seven and three in their last 10 games. The New York Knicks, I really want to talk about them because that is a team that I've been paying attention to the last couple of games. And um, the NBA is just better when the Knicks are good. At 20 and 21, I'm not saying they're great, but I mean, it's, it's, it is night and day from uh, the Knicks we've seen, that we've been used to seeing for the past, what, 10, 15 years. Tom, Th- Tom Thibodeau has those guys playing defense. And he has those guys literally playing to the clock hits triple zero. And I was watching that game. Oh, my God, not the game yesterday. What game was it? It was the game against the Nets where they lost 117 to 112. They were down by, I think it was like 16 or 18 points at one point. And they got it down to about three points. And, well, they did get it down to three points. And, um, you know, it was a possession in where Julius Randle, who, by the way, guys, Everybody was talking about, oh, I don't know if he's playing at an all-star level just because he made the all-star game, you know, the East this, the East that. Sure, he would have got in. No. You really need to take that back and watch him playing because Tom Thibodeau's putting the ball in his hands late in the game, all right? He's putting his ball, the, the ball in his hands late in the game, making him a decision maker, and he's making the right decisions. He's scoring. If not, he's getting to the line. If not, he's, he's making plays, making a playmaker. That same Julius Randle that people thought his career was just going to be one of those guys that was those one-and-done guys that really didn't do much coming into the league and maybe had a year here and a year there. No, Julius Randle was playing. Uh, he's living up to that all-star selection, the first one that he made in his career. And so going back to that Nets game a couple nights ago where they lost 117 to 112, he had the ball in his hands at the three-point line, goes up for a three, Tyree Kyrie, Tyree, Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, knocks it loose. And then he got really, really upset because he felt that it shouldn't have been called for a travel. It was. And so turnover, they end up losing a game. You know, uh, the Nets go to the free throw line. But my point is the Knicks are in every game. They are in every game. And as a matter of fact, they are, I have my note here, the Knicks are one in four in games decided by three points or less. What does that tell you? That tells you that, number one, they're fighting, okay? Number two, they're playing together as a team, all right? Everybody knows their role. And if you look at that roster, I'm going to read, I'm going to rattle off the names on that roster because, let's face it, not everybody, especially in Miami, not, not everybody really knows who's on that roster, and Heat fans really don't care for who, fan, uh, for who is on that roster. But you got R.J. Barrett. Okay, everybody knows him playing alongside Zion Nelson at Duke. That one year at Duke, they had a couple years ago. All right, Reggie Bullock, another role player. You got Alec Burks, who's uh, you know not consistent behind the three-point line, but a guy they rely on to hit the three. Taj Gibson is still putting in quality minutes. Okay, Kevin Knox, another guy that uh, you know coming from Kentucky, Nerlens Noel. Uh, Frank, don't ask me to pronounce his last name. The guy from Italy, you know, a solid perimeter defender. All right, Alfred Payton. Uh, Emmanuel quickly is, is, is playing some really good ball right now. And, uh, you know, we already talked about Julius Randall. Austin Rivers is a guy that's going to come off the bench and give you some really good quality minutes. We all know about Derrick Rose going back. And then Abi Toppin is a guy that um, doesn't get the minutes I really thought he would. Uh, again, you're talking about a Tom Thibodeau team, all right? And say what you want about Coach Tibbs. Everybody, you know, talks about him and being uh, – 
you know, this hard-nosed coach, and he's the one that, you know, got uh, Derrick Rose's career, you know, in, you know, spiraling with injuries and stuff like that. But he's a top 10 coach in the NBA. Say what you want. Name me 10 coaches better than Tom Thibodeau. As a matter of fact, and this is probably going to piss off whoever is a Jazz fan out there, but, okay, um, Everybody probably has Quinn Snyder as their coach of the year right now. And we're going to talk about, you know, NBA midseason reports in a little bit. But I got Tim Thibodeau, if the season was to end right now, as coach of the year. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because he's doing a lot more with less than Quinn Snyder is. This is his first year in New York. That's number one. Okay. Doing this in your first year in New York after seeing what New York looked like, you know, the past couple years, that's impressive in and of itself, number one. Quinn Snyder's been with the Jazz, I think, like seven years, all right? And like I said, he has a lot more to work with. You're talking about a guy that's won Defensive Player of the Year a couple of times already, and, and Rudy Gobert is in the running to win it again. Donovan Mitchell is a perennial all-star, okay? Mike Conley, one of the better point guards in the league, knows his role. And that's a team that has another, another team that full of guys that know their role, but they're leading the league in three-pointers. So, I mean, again, to me, Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year right now, because he's doing a lot more with a lot. Well, let me not say a lot more because Quinn Snyder is being is more successful right now. I mean, it's the best team in the league when you look at uh, records, uh, record wise. But uh, doing just as much with way less. And I get it. It's the Eastern Conference, but I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. you're in the NBA. All right. And with that roster that I just named you, I mean, there's really no go. I mean, you got Julius Randle as that go to guy, but. That's it. Can you imagine if Julius Randle wasn't on that roster, where would the Knicks be? I don't know, because uh, R.J. Barrett's not ready to lead a team yet. Really, really nice player, a guy that I would take on my team, but he's not there yet. He's going to be a really, really solid player for a long time to come. Uh, you know, perhaps an all-star, we'll see. Uh, but he has, he's not even sniffed his peak yet. And so I, I really like how the Knicks are playing ball. And so... Um, that's one, of the, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. And I kind of got ahead of myself in terms of, you know, midseason reports because I wanted to talk about who I think the MVP is right now. And I have more than one guy, Rookie of the Year. I was sold on LaMelo Ball, but now I'm kind of pushing for co-Rookie of the Years. I really, really am. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, I want to talk about that in a little bit. Comeback Player of the Year, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about Dwayne Wade's tweet. Uh, when he talked about Jimmy Butler and how he feels that he needs to get consideration for uh, being the MVP. Uh, if you guys didn't catch it, it was really clever. I was watching uh, TNT last night, and um, Dwayne Wade, it's nickname for Jimmy Butler, is uh, Jim VP. I thought that was pretty clever, so that, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, man, uh, just to reiterate on those Knicks, um, they're right there. They're right there. They're maybe a playmaker or two away from not being – the best team in the Eastern Conference, but at least being uh, a top, you know, four or five team in the Eastern Conference. They're a playmaker or two away from getting it done, being, you know, at least considered uh, a serious contender in the Eastern Conference. And I like what they're doing. Uh, again, the trade deadline is only eight days away. Let's see what they do. And um, all of a sudden, I have reached the end of the break. I'm not done with NBA talk. We're going to go ahead and continue that on the other side of the break. Just keep it locked here. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. 
but maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed a drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I... That, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
All right, everybody, thank you for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're still listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Um, for those of you that missed uh, maybe the top of the show, wasn't here last week, wasn't feeling too good. Not 100%, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm back good enough to do this show right now. I really miss being on air with you guys. And so um, we're talking about the NBA, and you know, I'm kind of going through what I think – uh, I would give, you know, the midseason reports, the midseason grades, and we're going to talk about coach of the year, stuff like that, uh, MVP, so on and so forth. And so um, I started to get into the rookie of the year talk a little bit towards the end of last segment. So let's start off right there. And um, I, throughout the break, I was kind of looking, well, not kind of, I was looking at when the last time there was a co-rookie of the year award in the NBA and so I got the list right here. Where is it? I had it. Where did it go? Okay, here we go. So the last time, uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up right now, because for the entire season, all right, I mean, I've been so impressed with LaMelo Ball. And if you haven't, then why not? I mean, what, what are you looking at? Why not? The dude is playing out of his mind. He's starting for the Hornets. The Hornets, again, are fifth in the Eastern Conference. And nobody saw that coming unless you're a Hornets fan, <laughs> unless you live in Charlotte. So let's be real. But, um... Since the All-Star break, Anthony Edwards has been balling, okay? As a matter of fact, since the All- well, not since the All-Star break, but uh, so far in his rookie season, uh, Anthony Edwards is averaging 16 points per game, 16.2 if you want to, you know, be exact, all right? Uh, 4.1 rebounds a game, 2.5 assists per game. Rookie out of Georgia, 6'4", 229, big dude, first overall pick playing for the Wolves. And I'm going to tell you right now, He's not going to win Rookie of the Year. Why? Because the the, uh, the, the Wolves have nine wins on the season. Uh, they're nowhere close to making the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're, not gonna, they're probably not going to make the playoffs next season unless they have this crazy offseason that, um, you know, this drops out of, out of the heavens for them. That's why he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. But you want to know what? At the same time, and I had this conversation so many times talking about the the MVP award and I wish they kind of go together and I hope I explain it you know in a a way that you understand but I wish it wasn't the case where you look at records so much as to determining a guy and if he should win NBA MVP because and this is I love using this example anybody listen to the show probably is gonna know what the heck I'm talking about already but I go back to the season where Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double and didn't win the MVP. He didn't win the MVP because the, the, the OKC Thunder didn't make the playoffs. I think that's ridiculous, okay? The guy's clearly, clearly the best player in the NBA. Uh, nobody had averaged, averaged. You want to know how hard that is to do, to average a triple-double in the NBA? If it was so easy, everybody would be doing it, Okay. But he didn't get it because they didn't make the playoffs. I don't know who won the MVP that year, but it was the wrong selection. I don't give a damn who won. I don't care. I don't care if it was Steph. I don't care if it was LeBron. Wrong pick because a guy's team didn't make the playoffs. Come on, man. The guy's clearly the best team in the league, and you didn't want to give it to him because and, – and, and get this. The Thunder missed the playoffs, I think, that year by a game. By a game or maybe like a game. And it was something – it was really close. It's not like if they were, you know, 10 games behind the A spot. It was ridiculous, and I hate that. I hate the fact that it's a popularity contest. So um, that's why LaMelo's not going to – I'm sorry, that's why Anthony Edwards is not going to win the MVP. But – I'm sorry, not the MVP, the Rookie of the Year. But he's playing good enough to win it. Uh, let's talk about LaMelo La- La- Ball really quick. This is a guy that 
He, listen, he's taking the NBA by storm. 6'6". Six, six, I thought he was 6'8", but they have him listed as 6'6 six, six on ESPN.com. Uh, rail thin at 190 pounds. But let me tell you something. He plays like a veteran. The, my favorite part about his game is that he could dominate without, without scoring, okay? Can he score? Absolutely. He's a better shooter than his brother. Um, uh, you know what? I was going to say a much better shooter than his brother, but I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because his brother has gotten to be a, a much better three-point shooter, much more consistent three-point shooter. But coming into the league, LaMelo, uh, you know, he takes that by a mile. Six rebounds per game, six assists per game. And like I said, is the sole reason I think that the, the Hornets are sitting pretty at the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. And so um, the fact that they're going to make the playoffs, that's probably going to be the, tim the tipping point as to why he wins the Rookie of the Year. But let's talk about, uh, you know, what I was talking about at the top of the segment. The last time that there was a co-Rookie of the Year award was in 2000 when Elton Brand of my Bulls shared the award with Steve Francis, a.k.a. Stevie Franchise of the Houston Rockets. Wow, man. Talk about a blast from the past. And so, um, obviously, both of those guys ended up having really, really good careers. Elton Brand now, uh, you know, an executive in the NBA. I think he's over with the Sixers, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's over – I think he's a GM with the Sixers or, or was uh, – something. He's, he, he's a GM for somebody right now. And so um, – that's the last time it happened. The last time before that was in 1995 with Grant Hill and Jason Kidd uh, sharing the award. And get this. It just so happens that today, on this day, March 17th, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd won co-rookie of the year. That's crazy. I'm sorry. Well, it was May 17th. I'm sorry. May 17th. Uh, I'm I'm thinking March. But, yeah, because the season's not even over in March. But on May 17th, uh, uh, May 17th, 1995, they were awarded the Co-Rookie of the Year Award, and I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, Kidd was a second overall pick that year. He averaged 11 points, almost 12 points a game, seven assists and five rebounds, two steals a game in 79 games played, where Grant Hill, uh, the third overall pick, he posted 19.9 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, and five assists in 70 games played. How about that? That's pretty cool. So um, uh, that's Rookie of the Year talk. I already talked about Tom Thibodeau and Quinn Snyder in the last segment as to who I think should be rookie, I'm sorry, Coach of the Year and why. Let's talk about Comeback Player of the Year. And I think it's pretty simple. Everybody knows how, how great Steph Curry is playing, all right, and what happened last season, how he wasn't able to play. He had that wrist injury. I think it's pretty simple. You give it to him, all right? And, uh, I mean, you look at how he's playing right now. To me – to me, he's looking like the best point guard in the NBA right now. I know, listen, I love Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard. As a matter of fact, I love Damian Lillard so much, all right? I was calling Dame Lillard a better point guard than Kyrie Irving when Kyrie Irving was winning championships. I mean, not championships, but won the championship over with the Cavs. And I'll tell you why, all right? Do you remember when Kyrie Irving, before he was uh, teamed up with LeBron, how he was pretty much – the only attraction over with the Cleveland Cavaliers, okay? Now, listen, I know that you can't do anything as just one player on the team in the NBA. I know that. But the Eastern Conference was so bad, okay, when Kyrie Irving was the only player pretty much on the Cavs that year. Uh, to me, he probably should have had that team in contention to make 
the eighth, you know, the eighth spot in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not talking about you know a top five, top six seed because in the NBA, you really only need one superstar to make the playoffs. And now you need three to win it all. Okay, at least two or three to win it all. But if you have one superstar in that weak Eastern Conference that we're, that I'm talking about, when uh, when you know Miami had that big three going on and Cleveland was just horrible, Kyrie couldn't even really bring those guys to be close to uh, an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And so I love Kyrie's. I'm not here to talk trash about him because, listen, I'd take him on my team any day of the week. But what I like about Dame Lillard over Kyrie Irving is when I think Kyrie Irving, I think street ball. And there's nothing wrong with that in the NBA, especially now, because, I mean, the NBA, it's, 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 a, it's a highlight league, okay? It's a highlight league, and fundamentals are a thing of – yesterday so it doesn't even exist anymore and if you want showstopper box office type stuff the nets are the team to go watch okay right now look what they're doing without kd in the lineup because he's out with a hamstring injury and then you got people talking about giving the mvp award or not giving the mvp award but you know james harden as being one of the guys being mentioned in the mvp race so um i just like dame a lot more because in my in my opinion he's just as clutch he could do everything that kyrie can but I think he's more of a floor general, and that's what you want out of your out of your point guard. And get this, James Harden gets traded over to the Brooklyn Nets, and who's the point guard for that team now? It's James Harden. It's not Kyrie Irving. This is actually something I think should have been happen, happening a long time ago in Kyrie Irving's career. Um, he's more of a scorer, all right, than, than he is a facilitator, so why not move him to the shooting guard position? So it finally happened, and, uh, you know, that offense is thriving well, we don't know about the other side of the ball yet, but uh, yeah, man, that, that's, that's how I feel about that. And again, no, no slight to Kyrie Irving at all. I will take that guy. And it's, 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 like a, it's like a win-win situation, if you ask me. You can't go wrong with either of, the, either of those guys leading your team. Like I said, they're both clutch. Um, Dame and Kyrie, they pretty much, not the same player, but they pretty much can get the same thing accomplished whenever you need. I need a bucket, go get me one, okay? Um, they can get to the line. and But what separates Dame from Kyrie, I think, is the fact that he can be more of a facilitator, and he'll take the game over when he needs to. But, uh, you know, that's just my thing. I like guys that have more of a complete package in terms of being able to set your half-court offense up. I think that's really important because it's a lost art in today's NBA. And so um, – MVP talk. So, yeah, my comeback player of the year is Steph Curry because of what he's doing out West. And, you know, he didn't even get to play last year. He only played a couple games, had to sit out with that wrist injury. And so you give him that award, right? MVP, man. So uh, Dwayne Wade tweeted regarding uh, the play of Jimmy Butler. He tweeted this on March 15th. And he tweeted, I know Jimmy doesn't care, but that MVP convo is heating up for my guy. And it really is. I mean, you look at the Heat right now, and they are in their last 10 games. The Heat are 9-1, and one, winners of five straight. And that has Jimmy Butler's name written all over it, okay? All over. 22-18 and 18 in the Eastern Conference, 10-10 and 10, uh, on the road, 12-8 and eight at home. And uh, they're, playing, they're doing it with defense lately. They're doing it with defense. And um, this is another team that's – and I think this is a sign of really, really good coaching when you have guys that know their role. And this is my job every night. I know I'm only going to be slotted maybe 10 to 12 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. I come in, I do this, and if I have an open shot, I take it. If I have an op open shot, I know not to take it because that's not my role. 
that's that that's a sign of really really good coaching and the sign of you know the heat culture that everybody likes to talk about it's 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 not it's not fictional it's 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 a thing it's 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 real all right that thing really does exist and so um Jimmy Butler is a guy you have to throw around even though I'll tell you right now he's not going to win the award but again where would the heat be without that guy again the MVP award needs to stop being a popularity contest and needs to be looked at more as how would this team look without this player I don't give a damn how bad the team uh, is record-wise or how good they are record-wise what does the team look like without this player okay other guys that are in consideration for the MVP uh, uh, award obviously in my opinion He's not going to win it, but we just talked about Steph Curry, especially if he wins Comeback Player of the Year. They're not going to give him two awards. But before the season started, I predicted Steph just because, especially once I found out that uh, – once we all found out that Tristan – not Tristan Thompson, but Clay Thompson was going to be up for the year. I thought Steph was going to go off. I thought he was going to go off, okay, because he had to, all right? And he is. He's playing great. You know, he's looking like MVP Steph of a couple years ago. And the scariest thing about Steph right now is that he's playing with confidence. You already know that he could hit from 30 on a bad night. But you want Steph playing with confidence and no – did you see what he did in that All-Star? I mean, the guy was – not only did he win the three-point contest, but he was – he was playing like if it was a video game during the All-Star game, and I know there's no defense like that, but still, things like that kind of carry over. It's games like that that add to your to your confidence, add to your swag, if you know, for lack of a better phrase, lack of a better term, and they get guys, you know, feeling themselves. So it's things like that, and I guess I said, he's not going to win it because uh, you know Joel Embiid is in the mix. Zach Levine of my Bulls is not going to win it either, but he's a guy that needs to be. Um, considered all right did you know that there are 27 players in the NBA right now that are averaging at least 20 something points a game I think that's pathetic I think that's ridiculous that feel that that has me feeling that I could that I could drop six a game off the bench on anybody's team right now that's that's how ridiculous defenses right now in the NBA are and how wide open offenses are that there's 27 players I can't remember if it was guys that average 20 points a game or 20 I think it was 25 I think it's 20 because if it's 27 players of uh, guys of guys that are averaging 25 points a game, that, that would be absolutely crazy. So I think the number is 20. But that's just – I don't know, man. I, 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 guys are scoring right now, like if it's the 60s and the 70s, and those of you that don't know, there was a lot of scoring back then. Scores are mimicking – scores now are mimicking what they were back then, okay? And so um, you got – Steph, you got Giannis, okay? Obviously, you got to throw LeBron in there. James Harden. Uh, James Harden, if I'm not mistaken, has 10 triple doubles in like 26 games as a, not this season, as a member of the Nets. Okay. That's crazy. That's just crazy. And I think that, uh, you know, that's worthy of, uh, consideration. But the thing that I like the most about the MVP award right now is you really can't decide on one guy. Not yet. Not yet. I don't think one guy has separated himself from the pack. All right. I'm not ready to hand it out to anybody. I think this is going to be one of those things that comes down to the wire. And so I hope it is. It'll be exciting. And there's a lot of jockeying for, uh, for spots and for positioning in terms of playoff seating. And that's where we're going to see the cream rise to the top 
and 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 guys separate themselves and 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 see who's really about that life. So um, I got to step aside real quick. I got one more segment before we hit uh, some Canes football talk with Manny Navarro calling in from the Athletic at the top of the hour. Really excited to speak to him and see his thoughts on the on the boys since they hit the field on Monday. So I'm gonna step aside really quick. We'll be back on the other side talking some NFL free agency. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. 
you, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And we are back on the Michael McCoy Show. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Frank bringing the heat with the intro music as always. You know, you the thing you want to know the thing about Frank, and I, I swear, I tell him all the time, he was probably a DJ in his past life. Every time that he brings me in with some music, it takes me back to when, <laughs> when I was in high school and we would come out to, um, to whatever, you know, the home court DJ was playing, you know, out of the locker room and stuff. It just gets me in this, in this zone, in this mode. And I got to remember where I'm at really quick. I'm, I'm behind the mic. I'm not on a basketball court. So, so I, do, I do a little bit of DJing now, like a little bit. Uh-huh. But the problem with me DJing is I get like writer's block. Whenever like I have to play a song, like all of a sudden I'm like, bro, what do I play? <laughs> and, I, and I lose it. So that's like my downfall DJing wise. But I do have a gift. And when I'm thinking about old, old, old music, especially oh. kind of just like a chilling setting uh-huh. that everybody's like, you haven't heard this song in like <laughs> 10 years. So I do kind of have that gift. No, you're good at it. And I listen, I appreciate you so much because for those of you that are not aware, this show was used to be pre-recorded for a while. And then, you know, this is probably about two months that we've been live in the studio. And, it, you know, it's such a difference in that background music. I, I appreciate it. So, again, thank, thank you for that, Frank. It, it, it means the world to me, man. I love it. But um, you want to know what has me cracking up right now in terms of NBA free agents? I'm sorry, not NBA free agency, NFL free agency. We're going to go ahead and flip the script and talk about uh, the gridiron right now. Pivot! I'm not sure what that was, but... Oh, that was a pivot. You pivoted, <laughs> you pivoted topics. Why not? Um, thank you. And so um, I'm cracking up right now because... The Patriots are going to be a damn good team next year. And everybody was right. And I told people, listen, 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 listen. They had a bad year. You're a, listen, you're allowed to have a bad year after dominating the NFL, for, after, kicking one, after kicking everyone's ass pretty much in the NFL for 20 years. I think you're allowed a down year, especially when you lose a guy by the name of, oh, I don't know, Tom Brady, who just happened to win his seventh Super Bowl ring, and he's going for his eighth. And by the way, the Bucks are bringing back Rob Gronkowski. Um, I think you're allowed a down year, especially when you have – Everybody was dealing with COVID and Cam Newton, you know, he missed a game or two there. And there were a lot of close games that the Patriots lost that they probably should have won. Namely, uh, in the beginning of last season, they went over to the great Northwest, lost a very, very, very close game at the goal line. Okay. Uh, to the Seahawks. All right. It's, they, they lost a bunch of close games like that. And so, um, and there was a bunch of close games that they lost on their own right that they had no business losing because I, I think there was a game at home and where Cam Newton fumbled the ball away and all they had to do was like position the ball in the middle of the field for the field goal kicker to win a game. So listen, the moves that the Patriots are making right now, they're just, they're cracking me up because everybody that likes to see the Patriots lose, listen, they're, 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 they're going to be a problem to be reckoned with. And there is a common thread as to, uh, there's a common thread 
amongst all the guys that they're signing, all right, is you know, and that thing is number one, they all have the ability because they all have the ability to be playmakers in the NFL. We've seen them play. I'm going to go through the names right now, but number one, they all have ability, okay? They're signing guys that in positions of need, okay? And you already know what the deal is when you sign on a dotted line with the New England Patriots. It's not going to be your way. It's going to be the Belichick way or the highway. And if you don't like it, if you don't like me signing you for three years, $3 million a year, bye. Because Bill Belichick is going to find another guy that can do your job for cheap. It's that simple. Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. Exactly. Bye. <laughs> That's exactly what he's, that what's pretty much what he's saying. Hunter Henry, one of those guys. You remember Hunter Henry? Okay. Signed a three-year, $37 million deal. Not uh, a cheap deal, okay, but not a mega deal. But this is a guy who, for a couple years there over in San Diego, a lot of people were considering him to be, what, maybe a top five tight end in the NFL? Okay. He goes over to the Patriots, all right? Uh, Matthew Judon, all right, a former Baltimore Ravens linebacker, reached an agreement with the Patriots on a four-year $56 million deal. And by the way, these sound like lucrative deals right now. And much like the NBA a couple years ago when the salary cap went up and went up, I think, with like two, two years in a row because the TV deals were getting ridiculously crazy, that's exactly what the NFL is going through right now, okay? So these numbers may sound crazy off the charts, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, with the salary cap going up, it's, I'm not going to call it pennies, but it's not the, the richest deal you've ever seen a linebacker sign or a tight end sign in Hunter Henry. But in any event... Um, 6'3", 261, physical edge player in Matthew Judon. Listen, you sign me anybody from a Baltimore Ravens defense, I don't even need to know what he did on that defense. I'm sold, okay, because it's one of those things where there's a culture, like everybody likes to talk about the Heat culture, there's a culture over in uh, the, Baltimore, uh, the Baltimore Ravens defense, even that when they're bad, you know what you're going to get from that defense, okay, especially if it's a linebacker, all right? Um... They signed him. Nelson Aguilar, okay, had some really good years over in Philadelphia. USC receiver, uh, guy, uh, Florida guy. He's from Tampa, okay, took his talents over to the West Coast to play his college football in, at USC and, uh, you know, gets in the league at, at, at Philly. Has some, you know, nice years, but he's a speedster. He signs, uh, they, I'm sorry, the Patriots signed the former Las Vegas Raider to a two-year, $26 million deal. All right, so he's a speedster. Another guy for Cam Newton, who signed a one-year tender. We'll get into him later. John U. Smith, another tight end who agreed to a four-year, $50 million deal, formerly of the Titans. When you think of the Titans, you think what? Obviously not passing the ball, especially not with Ryan Tannehill. But this is a guy that was probably um, used, obviously pass catching, but he's going to help. And a run-blocking situation because you're talking about a guy that was blocking for Derrick Henry, that machine that's disguised as a running back that's like 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", a good 250, and runs like a 4'4", 4'5", because I've never seen Derrick Henry get run from behind. Never, okay? As big and scary and bruising as that guy is, I'm getting out of his way because he's coming at you like 20 miles an hour, it seems like, okay? You sign him, all right? The Patriots also signed Jalen Mills, who's a very gifted safety all right, former Eagle player, and I think he was on that uh, championship team when they beat the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne, uh, formerly of my 49ers, solid receiver there, okay, a do-it-all guy. They signed a defensive tackle, uh, Davin Godshaw. I'm, now I'm getting into names that I really don't know who they are, but um, 
the point is, okay, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name. Bill Belichick, thank you. Had a blank there for a second. He and, and it's funny because now I'm seeing the list and I'm ta- uh, that these exact moves that I'm talking about around, right now, ESPN and I are on the same wavelength. They're talking about it right now if you tune into ESPN. And so I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC East, okay? But Bill Belichick is a pissed off coach right now because everybody's saying, remember what the talk last year was, who needs who more? All right, we're going to see right now, does, does Belichick need Brady more than uh, Brady needs Belichick? We'll see. And now, since Brady won the Super Bowl, everybody thinks those questions are answered. I'm still, I'm still on the train of thought that uh, Brady is someone that needed Belichick more than Belichick needed Brady. And yes, I am saying that after the guy just won his seventh Super Bowl in a row. I get it. But Brady didn't have to deal with what Belichick had to deal with this past season, okay? I'm sorry. You literally lose the greatest quarterback of all time, okay? You can't just recover from that like nothing. And you want to know who else is pissed off? Cam Newton. Cam Newton is pissed off. He signed a one-year deal uh, worth up to $13.6 million with about $6 million tied to incentives. This is a guy that's out to prove himself. And I said that going into last year because everybody was writing Cam Newton off because of injury. I think that is the, I think that is the worst thing to, tell somebody, to, to call somebody's career over because they're hurt. They, they literally have not showed anybody any signs of slowing down unless it was because they were hurt, okay? And okay, yeah, Mike, but he was hurt for so long. So what, okay? Has he been scrubbing it out when he was healthy? No. And it was the same thing last year, okay? He had, you know, some bouts with COVID. You know, he missed a game or two here or there, all right? And he wasn't the pass everybody thought he was, but he still wasn't healthy. Everybody was talking about, um, I think his injury was his shoulder or something like that. And he had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. But I think that this is a guy, okay, this is literally a, a weapon that Bill Belichick has never had at his disposal. A guy with a, that still has a cannon arm. You're talking about a former MVP in the NFL, a guy that has played in the Super Bowl, and a guy that can what? Use his legs? This is a toy that Bill Belichick has only had for one year and I think after a year of knowing what it takes to be a patriot and knowing the patriot way I think Cam Newton is out to piss some people off and yes I said it last year watch out for Cam Newton it didn't work out that way but I want to see Cam Newton a full 16 games I want to see him healthy I want to see him with a full complement of receivers because that's one thing the Patriots didn't really have last year is you know great receivers and I know what you're probably saying well Mike when did they ever have great receivers that didn't stop them from winning Super Bowls yeah but they had great defenses they had Tom Brady and they had their greatest coach of all time they only had one of those last year okay because their defense was spotty last year at best okay especially when it mattered the most so listen like I said I'm not saying that they're gonna outduel the the, the Bills who had a great year and have a guy at quarterback and Josh Allen that a lot of people think should have won the MVP or at least was in the MVP conversation. But I'm saying watch out for the Patriots because I will go ahead and say this. I think that they're able to make the playoffs at least as a wild card team. And I'll, I'll even go as far as saying this. I would not be surprised to see them win a division. I wouldn't, okay? And no shade to the Dolphins. They're doing some things, too, because Brian Flores, man, let me tell you something. Listen, if it wasn't for Kevin Stefanski having the season that they did last year over in Cleveland, and obviously they made uh, you know, the playoffs, Brian Flores was the coach of the year, okay? Because just like how I talked about Tom Thibodeau, 
uh, in the first segment or the, when we were talking NBA uh, basketball in the first couple segments of the show, um, he had way less to work with than Stefanski did over in Cleveland, okay? And you look at what the Dolphins looked like before Flores arrived versus year one, all right? And then, you know, year two last year, and it was it's literally night and day. So uh, that, that that's going to be an interesting division, to say the least, and a, a really competitive division. I am, not, And you should not count the Patriots out. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's going to be one of the – Better divisions in the NFL, all right, one of the most competitive divisions, one of the most interesting divisions to keep your eyes on, and uh, we already know what the most competitive division in the NFL is. That easily is the NFL, I'm sorry, the NFC West, all right, especially with the addition of Matthew Stafford that the Rams went ahead and dealt, you know, they, they, they got him over from, from Detroit. And, uh, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks in that division, and what a difference two years can make because – just two years ago, you had the Niners winning the NFC, all right, uh, playing down here in Miami Gardens for the Super Bowl, like five minutes away from winning the Super Bowl, up 10 points. I think it was seven. I think it was like seven minutes, and they were up by 10, all right? And then all of a sudden, KC does what KC does, and they win the game. Holmes magic, all of that stuff. I still haven't gotten over it. But um, a guy that led his team to the NFC Championship game just two years ago is the worst quarterback in that division. You got Matthew Stafford. You got uh, Kyler Murray over in Arizona. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Seattle and, and, and Russell Wilson, but assuming he comes back, you got him, okay? And even if he does leave, you, never, you don't know what there's going to – and by they, I mean uh, the Seattle Seahawks. You don't know what's going to happen free agency-wise in terms of getting a quarterback or maybe even in the draft or a trade. One thing you know is this, there's no way – there's no way that Pete Carroll is going to enter uh, next season with a nobody at quarterback. This is not going to happen. That guy has never been successful with a nobody at quarterback, even in the college ranks. I mean, you had Matt, Matt, Matt Leinert and whoever else he was winning uh, games with over at USC. That guy has always had a quarterback. You've never seen Pete Carroll win without a quality quarterback uh, at his disposal. So um, that's easily the most competitive division in the NFL. But, man, there's so many moves going on in the NFL right now. Um, my Niners just finished signing Trent Williams to the most, uh, to the highest, uh, the biggest contract that an offensive tackle has ever seen in NFL history. And I'm trying to bring it up right now because it was something along the lines of, let me bring it up right here. Yeah, yeah, here it is. So check this out. A historic, he signs a historic deal worth, woof. You ready for this one, Frank? I'm what? ready. All right, well, I'm not because here it is. All right, here. Six years, $138.06 million. Yeah, do that. The deal has $55.1 million in guaranteed money. So the guy can say, you know what, I'm going to retire right now, and he has $55 million in his bank, all right? Uh, it includes a $30.1 million signing bonus just because here, here, yeah, you just signed it, so here's another $30 million. That's just, that's insane. That's insane, all right? Six years, $138 million, and listen, for a team that is – looking to reestablish themselves as one of the most physically dominating, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and even on the offensive uh, line uh, side of things, okay? Because everybody knows Kyle Shanahan loves to run the football, and, you know, he does it running back by committee. Um, 
especially the, the especially the year they reached the Super Bowl. This is a huge move for the 49ers. Um, I remember when they went ahead and traded him, traded for him last year. Uh, you know, this was a big deal. And it's funny that he signed with the 49ers because if you remember several years back when, you know, the, the Seahawks were doing their thing and they had the Legion of Boom, there was a game where the Seahawks went over to Washington. And I don't know what transpired throughout the game, but at the end of the game when everybody's supposed to be congratulating each other and shaking their hands, Trent Williams, okay, I, listen, if you don't know what this guy looks like, just go ahead and look him up. Look him up. He is a hulking and intimidating man. Uh, just a huge, huge mistake of, of, of a specimen. I don't know how, how he got so big. I don't know if he eats people in the morning for breakfast. But him and Richard Sherman got into it. And obviously Richard Sherman was with the Niners for the past couple of years. I was always wondering what that relationship was like once uh, Trent Williams got uh, with the 49ers because – they got they went toe to toe, all right. They got face to face. Richard Sherman is a good what six three, maybe two hundred pounds. Trent Williams, and I'm gonna tell you how big he is right now. Trent Williams is six five, three hundred and twenty pounds. I'm sorry, but I have my money on the three hundred twenty pound guy if they get into a fight, and they literally got into a fight. Okay, uh, Richard Sherman had his helmet off. Trent Williams had his helmet on. Everybody's going to say, oh, well, he had his helmet on. What is Richard Sherman going to do? Listen, um, Trent Williams could have been sleeping, okay? They, they took a couple blows, and Richard Sherman took one to the jaw, and I don't know how the hell he stayed standing, but it was just funny to me how, um, and I know these guys are grown men. You kind of put, put that to the side, but it seemed really, really personal, okay, when they got into it. And um, I, I, it was just funny to me. And I, it, that's the first thing that came to mind when uh, Trent Williams signed on the dotted line as, you know, for the 49ers. But uh, the, the 49ers, they're looking to make a comeback. And that's a team that suffered from a plethora of injuries in the beginning of last season. They had ACL tear after ACL tear. And in key positions, Joey Boza, not Joey Boza. What's the I always get him confused, man. Um, Nick Boza, Nick Boza, rookie of the year, the year that uh, defensive rookie of the year, the year that the Niners went to the Super Bowl. He tore his ACL, I think, in like the first or second game of the season uh, over at MetLife Stadium. That turf was abysmal. There were injuries every week at that stadium, especially towards the beginning of the year. All right. And the Niners had back to back games uh at that stadium because they played the Giants and then they played, um, well, they played the Jets first and then they played the Giants. And, you know, they had injuries, I think, in both games. And they lost some key players in those games. Like I said, Nick Boza being one of them. So this is a team that's looking to come back and, you know, say, hey, you know, we're still here. Um, Samson Ibukum, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The Niners added him, a former Rams defensive lineman, to a two-year deal. Obviously, they're looking to bolster that defense again. Again, a defense that had D Ford and Nick Boza. A defense that ever since the Niners lost in the Super Bowl uh, to the... Uh, to the Ravens, all right, that's another one I'm still not over yet. They have needed some cornerback play, and we'll see if they draft that uh, in the coming draft. But um, I look at the time right now, and as much as I want to keep talking about NFL free agency, because I have a bunch of notes here. I just started talking about my favorite team. I'm sorry about that. We're going to talk about Kane's football right now, and I am going to go ahead and take a break really quick because on the other side— Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Before you do that, I'm we're going to—this is breaking news, developing story coming out of oh ESPN, boy. coming oh out of Houston. Um, 
a massage therapist in Houston has filed a civil lawsuit against Deshaun Watson, yeah. alleging inappropriate conduct in her home in March of 2020 by the Houston Texans quarterback. A uh, lawsuit was filed Tuesday, appeared on the website Wednesday. The lawsuit alleges that Watson, quote, committed civil assault, mm-hmm. end quote. So obviously developing story, but that's just hot on the press right now. So I just want to let you know before we went on break. Yeah, man. I saw that yesterday and I was just like, the timing is just, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, I saw that. And it's unfortunate, especially for a guy that wants out of Houston. Now you got to wonder what his value is and how serious these allegations are. But um, I, like the, I like the little throng breaking news thing. Thank you, Frank. I'll give you – okay, so since you're such an old-school guy, I'll give you brownie points if you can guess where that sound is from. Oh, it's from one of these, one of these news shows – from when I was when we were little, I can't remember the name of it, but I remember hearing it. It's one of the uh, late night edition shows, not 2020. What was it? What's you it? were on the right track. Uh, Current Affair. Current Affair. Ah, okay. I would have never remembered, yeah. but I remember hearing it at the very least. But um, <laughs> we're going to step aside really quick. We have Manny Navarro with The Athletic um, talking Kane's football. And I cannot wait to talk. It's been a while since you joined the show. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, it, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I... That, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. 
Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We're back, and we're talking about my favorite subject, I Bleed Orange or Green. If you don't, you should. <laughs> Miami Hurricanes football started spring practice on Monday this week. What's today? Wednesday the 17th. So it started on the 15th. And I have good buddy of mine, Manny Navarro of The Athletic. He calls himself a three-star Canes beat writer. I tend to disagree with that. He's one of my favorite beat writers. Five-star beat writer, Manny. I don't care what you say. How you been, man? I'm doing good, man. How have you been? Can't complain. I've been really... Uh, really blessed, really glad to have this platform and doing this thing right here on Slam Radio with uh, Frank and the Amigo. And so um, thanks for calling in. It's been a while. And also, aside from The Athletic, Manny has a, I, I need to bring this up, the Wide Right uh, podcast. Really, really good info there. So go ahead and check that out. That's over on Apple Podcasts as well. So Manny, um, thanks for calling in. Obviously, we're here to talk about Kane's football. And one of the things I've been kind of thinking about for a while is what the centralized theme would be heading into spring ball? Because year one, it was the new Miami. We all know how that went. Six, six and seven seasons, but then Miami bounces back with her. Pretty good recruiting class. And then, you know, the win total upped in year two. And then, uh, you know, obviously they scaled it back a little bit because the new Miami didn't go so well. And everybody's thinking, well, Manny needs to tone things down. So that was maybe the theme heading into last year. What is the theme heading into year three of Manny? What's the focus? Well, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, the way I view it is you have probably the most experienced Miami team you've had in, in decades in terms of just guys with returning starting experience. You have a, a quarterback entering his sixth year. You have a right tackle entering his seventh year. Yeah. Uh, you got guys all over the defense that, that have played a ton. So, to me, it's sort of a no-excuses year, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is the year that I look at it and say, De'Aaron King is healthy. Yeah. They should win the division against the ACC championship game. I, I, I know North Carolina pummeled them last year. Mm -hmm. I know – uh, you know, they, they, they didn't look great at the end of the season, but Manny Diaz is running the defense. He took that on himself, right? right. Miami's been the best with him calling the plays on defense. And, you know, it's, it's no excuses. Like, this is the year you got to put up or shut up. And 
if they if they don't reach the ACC championship game, I think this the season is a failure. Oh gosh, and you know we've been here and we've done that before because so many times have we said, oh man, Miami at the very least they got to win the Coastal, and we we we've had those conversations and we've had those talks even with Al Golden being here. You know that was the expectations for a couple of years. Al Golden was here for five. We're heading into year three of Manny Diaz right now. So. Um, you talked about Derek King, and obviously you wrote a great article talking about how he's crushing his rehab. Um, how far along is he? I mean, obviously, if he's healthy, he's going to start against Alabama, right? And I mean, is there any type of uh, inclination that maybe he gets held back just a little bit? Because do you really want to throw him into the fire against that team to start off the season? Well, I, I think if you're if you're Manny Diaz and and Derek King is, has been back, you know, practicing with his teammates and, and involved, I think you, there's no reason to keep him out of that game. I think you got to play him. I okay. think you know if you're really about going after it, um, you know, I think Derek's in a good position. You know, I talked to Amari Rogers uh, from Clemson who came back from a, a torn ACL after five and a half months and, and was back playing in a game after five and a half months later. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Derek's gonna have. Uh, eight months essentially between you know the last time he played when he had surgery and, and, and when he's going to play in his first game so and a full eight months if not more um, and and so I think you know based on what Lashley told us uh, last week when I asked him the question about when we can expect to see him maybe participating on seven on sevens if he's if he's doing seven on seven stuff by the summer I think there's no question in my mind he's starting so as long as he doesn't have a setback I think he's starting against Alabama. Okay, um, I'm glad you brought up Lashley because a uh, perfect way to segue into my next question. Year two going into his system and familiarity goes a long way in any sport because, you know, chemistry and, you know, consistency, cohesiveness, knowing what to expect and knowing what your role is. Your coaches know what you're capable of. You know what you uh, what your coaches want from you. Can you talk about, and not just the quarterback position, but how comfortable the receivers seem to be, maybe the offensive line seems to be. You talked about the experience coming back there as a whole what the offense is feeling um under Rhett Lashley and the system like what should we what are they expecting out of themselves well I mean look they, they made a drastic jump from from you know 2019 to 2020 in terms of points averaging close to 34 points a game and, and, it, and it wasn't you know sort of off of a week schedule right they played they played uh, everybody in the ACC that they were supposed to and they played you know UAB, so this isn't like you know Bethune Cookman slanted numbers. You know yeah. they yeah. it was it was real improvement in my mind. I think the next step for them is just the explosiveness on the outside. We it's been well documented the struggles the Miami's uh, receivers had holding on to the football. Mark Pope and D Wiggins, and you know outside of seeing Mark Pope re return punts in a video, I haven't heard a coach mention either of those guys Man. here in the last couple of weeks. We've heard a lot about Keyshawn Smith. We've right. heard a lot about Charleston Rambo. I think Miami's coaches are moved on and, and are looking at those guys to sort of be the answers there. And I think if, if you stretch the field uh, with those two outside receivers and you've got, you know, some the, the running backs doing their job, Miami running the ball better, which has been a big focus for mm -hmm. the offensive line. Garen Justice talked about that recently. Um, and you can average 40 points a game, you know. I, yeah. I think they can make that jump to where North Carolina was last year uh, where they were a top-10 offense. So, I think uh, that's the next step for this group, and, and it's just about getting those receivers uh, to hold on to the football and produce. I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is going to be replacing Brevin Jordan in the middle of the field. Mm. And, you know, Will Mallory uh, is coming off shoulder uh, surgery. He's mm. not practicing this spring. I think that's that's a negative for Miami because okay. you, you want that guy being able to train all summer and, and, and 
fully healthy. I don't know the extent of Will's injury, but okay. I, I hope that he's uh, able to come back some point in the summer and get some real work in with the Eric and with the other quarterbacks because I think he needs that. It, it's different to be the number two tight end yeah. as to be the number one. There's a totally different role when, when teams have a target on your back. I think Will Mallory snuck up on a lot of people the last couple of years, and now he's going to be the man. I think it's important that, that he gets into that role. A guy that a lot of people – when Brevin and Will Mallory were freshmen, felt that Will had the higher ceiling. You know, his potential, his ceiling was higher than Brevin's, and a lot of people said, whoa. Well, I mean, we'll see, because this is the year, like you said, that it's, it's, he's going to be the guy. Um, you talked about the receivers and how, you know, last year they suffered from the drops. He's big time, and especially in critical situations, the bowl game uh, most glaring. But, you know, the offensive line has also been an issue in Miami's uh, you know, in recent past, of the two positions, uh, you know, I'm sorry, of the two units, Miami's receivers dropping up. We were, you already talked about Rambo and Keyshawn Smith being guys that are probably going to be the focus, and and obviously also uh, can't kind of can't discount Harley because he upped his game right. last year when uh, the receivers were called out. But between the offensive line and the uh, receivers, in your opinion, which one do you think is more integral to Miami's success this season? Well, I think it's definitely the receivers. I think the offensive line was was average last year. They went from being really bad to average. And I think they're going to continue to improve. And, and that's just based off of everybody returning. You know, you're going to have Navon Donaldson back. I think, you know, he's looking to make it to the NFL. He's going to be highly motivated mm -hmm. to lose weight and, and to look good. Um, you've got some other young guys like Jalen Rivers who really are hoping to move into a bigger role. Yeah. And I just think there's more body. So, you know, if any of those guys are struggling, Garen Justice is going to be able to make a switch. Uh, to, to make those guys better. To me, it's, it's more about, you know, can Charleston Rambo become, as I wrote recently, the, the number one receiver he was supposed to be at Oklahoma? You know, can he get back to being that, that, that guy who everybody thought was, was going to replace Hollywood Brown out there? Right. Is he going to turn into that lead role where all of a sudden now Mike Harley, instead of being the number one guy, he's, he's a perfect complementary slot receiver, yep. you know, and, and Charleston Rambo's drawing eyeballs from safeties. And all, I mean, that just opens everything up for your offense. So to me, I, I think it comes down to the receivers and the tight ends and how much they help uh, De'Ara King. I mean, you look at the improvements they made and all the drops made by those receivers, and you say to yourself, well, you just get better, better play from those guys on the outside. It, 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 it just makes sense. That's what was missing last year. Mm -hmm. And I, I, to me, that's the bigger deal. Obviously, offensive line is always important. You can't discount it. But I just think they're in a better position to succeed. To me, the receivers have to have more to prove uh, that they can step into those roles and deliver. Well said. Well said. We're talking Canes football with Manny Navarro of The Athletic here on the Mark McCord Show, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And let's switch gears over to the, to the defensive side of the ball. And um, I was looking at your article talking about how Miami lost, you know, NFL-bound pass rushers. And one thing that you think about Miami, you think about receivers, you think about speed, athleticism. But lately, Miami – and not lately, but um, the past couple of years, namely, Miami has not been lacking at all getting uh, guys to the quarterback from the defensive end position. So uh, you lose Roche, obviously um, Rousseau, and then obviously Phillips, an All-American. But there are names – uh, that a lot of Canes fans are waiting to see budding stars. So can you talk about uh, – can you talk about uh, – namely Jafari Harvey because that's a guy that is a freak athlete, and I think I can't wait to see what he has to contribute. I want to see what you have to say about him. 
Yeah, I, I think Jafari, you know, it's funny. We, we, we did the press conference with him yesterday, and, and, you know, I've been asking every single player about their gains in the weight room, you know, like because to me that was such a central focus. You know, Manny Diaz basically extended it to seven weeks versus what happened last year when COVID cut a lot of that stuff short and okay. guys were working out on their own. So to me, one of the more interesting things is how much weight, you know, some of these guys have put on, good weight, not bad weight. Right. And Jafari Harvey yesterday, I, when, when he was asked, he said he's gained 11 pounds, and then he said he has 4% body fat, which God. to me was just I, – I, I was like, 4%? Like, I, I heard other guys say 8. Like, Mike Harley said he has 8. I heard some other guys say, you know, 9, 10, 11%. But 4%, I mean, that's essentially bodybuilder-type body fat percentage. And I, and I just said to myself, wow. I'm like, this kid is such a – you know, I, I had heard he was an athletic freak. But this is just taking it to another level. And right. To a point where I was even like, maybe he's got to put on a little bit more weight. But he's 251 pounds, wow. 4% body fat, super explosive, very wiry. Um, you know, and, and you saw a flash of it in the bowl game when he had the sack strip fumble in that game yeah. where you're like, okay, this is, this is what Miami has in this guy. And, you know, I, I talked a lot with uh, Quincy Roche at the uh, House of Athlete Combine a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, just about all these guys who, who, who are replacing him and, and Jalen Phillips. And the biggest thing I took away was, you know, Quincy and, and Jalen played more snaps than any defensive end in, in, since Manny Diaz arrived, I mean, in terms of per game. And he talked a lot about how, look, you can be great for, for 12 to 15 plays per game, right? You're only in there to relieve the starters. He said the biggest thing for guys like Jafari and Chance Williams and Cameron Williams and all the guys stepping into their shoes is they got to realize when you're playing more than 50 snaps a game, you got to bring something different. You got to save them. It's almost like baseball, right? Where you, where a pitcher saved the pitch for the second and third time down the lineup. Some of these guys got to save some of these moves. They've got to save some energy for the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think one thing we got to see is how many of these guys truly develop to the point where Manny Diaz is comfortable with a real rotation versus, having to rely on guys like Roche and mm-hmm. Phillips played so much. And so that's going to be the interesting thing to me. It's endurance. Can these guys get to the point where if they have to, they can play 50, 60 snaps a game? Because that's something Phillips and Roche were able to do regularly right. while still producing pressures and sacks and everything else. So to me, that's what I wrote about today. And that's the interesting thing. I think fans don't think about that stuff. They're just like, well, you know, these guys have to be in great shape and they got to, well, no, it, it's a different animal when you're out there for right. a defense. And, and I think that's an element to the game where a lot of fans sort of miss the boat on that. They don't think about those, those things. No, that's a great point. I mean, I didn't think about it until you, you know, brought it up. But, I mean, you probably wouldn't think about it unless, you know, you hear about a, from a player's, from, from the horse's mouth himself. So, great point and something to keep your eye on because, um, like you said, uh, especially with the way that the offense is, you know, they're on the, they're on the field uh, so many plays. I mean, that defense is probably going to be back on, you know, right back on there, especially if the offense is clicking and moving how we hope it does. So um, I want to talk about the secondary really quick. And um, there's just so many pieces to move around in the secondary at the safety position, namely, and in striker, so on and so forth, um, that Miami has, you know, to play with. T-Rob has some things to to do. And then I want to talk about Manny's role as a defensive coordinator before you go too. And um, Avante Williams, everybody is relieved that he's, you know, cleared and having to be played is that a guy that is going to be just moved around all over the place or is he going to be 
name mainly at one position like the safety or is it going to be slot corners are going to be here there because in my opinion that's an athlete that could be used all over the place in the secondary yeah I, I think Avante obviously has the skills to play all over the field he's he, kind of like Bubba Bolden you know there were many times last season where Bubba Bolden was lined up covering the slot receiver um, you know, I, I think I, I see very, very much similarities between Bubba and Avante, okay. their athleticism. I think the biggest thing for Miami safeties, when you go back and you look at the film of 2020, is how many times they were out of position. Yeah. And, you know, pro football focus, I know some people like it, some people hate it. I think it's good information, especially when they chart things like missed tackles, um, you know, and, and then how, how often guys are giving up catches and coverage and so forth. You know, Tyreek gave uh, Tyreek Stevenson gave up a ton of, of receptions last season at Georgia. He's coming in to play cornerback, but a lot of people talked about him, you know, being able to to be like a Minka Fitzpatrick, play safety, play corner. I, I think it's the same uh, situation with Avante okay. Avante Williams, and I think you know the coaching staff, Javaris Robinson wants is ultimately going to want his best players out there, yep. his best you know five six guys whenever whenever teams go four wide. And I, I think, um, you know, you could see situations where guys line up a corner. But I think right now for Avante, he, he's, he's a talent. He's a guy that Manny Diaz yesterday said, you know, remind him a little bit of Jalen Phillips in terms of, you know, when you take that, that toy out of the box for the first time and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, I've seen this guy waiting on the sidelines. He had to sit out all of last year. And now all of a sudden, you, you know, you see him in practice the first two days and he's going 100 miles an hour for everything. That, that's impressionable. So, to me, uh, he's the wild card because I, I okay. thought the safety, play, he, the safety play last year was not good. Um, I thought it was average, um, you know, and I thought there were times Bubba was, like I said, Bubba was out of position. I thought, yeah. obviously, Amari Carter, with all the times he was ejected for targeting, that hurt. Gervin Hall had a, had a down year compared to the season before. So I think Avante Williams, he, he's going to be the most interesting guy to watch uh, in terms of what they do on defense because – with him and Tyreek Stevenson, I think you have to try to get those guys on the field as much as you can. Agreed, agreed. Okay, and before I, I let you go, I wasn't going to ask you this until you brought his name up, and um, I'm going to ask, and I'm glad you did because, like I said, it wasn't even on my radar. But two things. First, is there – and I haven't heard any, but, you know, you obviously run the program way more than I am. Is there any type of inclination or thought or talk for coaches maybe trying out Amari at linebacker? Because that's been a thing – that, you know, fans have been kind of maybe experimenting in their head, and I wonder how that would work. And uh, that's number one. Number two, what are your thoughts for Manny double-dipping in terms of being a head coach and a defensive coordinator in such an important year three for him personally and obviously for the program, but for him because, like you said, this is a make-it-break-it year for him. And for a guy that – I don't want to call him a first-time coach anymore because this is, this is his third year at a big-time program in a big-time setting, but it's the first time that he's a head coach and he's being a full-on defensive coordinator. And it kind of has me concerned because you kind of want your coach to CEO things. Can you talk about those two? Yeah, uh, first, I guess I'll start with Manny um, just because he's kind of a fresher thing on my mind. But, uh, you know – in regards to him taking over the defense, I, 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 you know, I asked a bunch of my fellow writers at the Athletic just about, you know, how many other guys in college football are doing this, where they're really involved in calling defensive plays. Because offensive plays, you see so many coaches do that now. Right. So it's almost like, you know, it's, it's a given now. If you're a great offensive coach, you can be a head coach and a coordinator at the same time. But 
really there aren't many um, as far as defense is concerned. And, and I think the only reason Manny is doing this is because he has Rhett Lashley on offense, where he can completely trust him to be in the moment, to handle his responsibilities. Uh, and I would also say the hiring of Bob Shoup has really made Manny feel comfortable in the sense of, okay, okay I can delegate some of these responsibilities. And I, I think Bob Shoup is really going to be the guy in charge of all of the defensive game planning in terms of preparation for future opponents okay. and, and getting the team ready. And so I think Manny feels like he can still be the CEO um, and then on game days step in and put that coordinator hat on to run the defense the way he wants it run. And, you know, the number one thing that I got from, from, from former players about why Manny is maybe replacing Blake Baker, it, it's not so much the play calling and what, and what Blake was calling in terms of plays. I, I, I sense it's more about the, the respect that he commands and getting everybody to do their job. I think, you know, that was one thing that was evident last year that I saw uh, with, with the, the linebackers, okay. you know, um, you know, in, in 2019 when, when Blake Baker came in, uh, there, there was, there was a sense where Shaq and Mike Pinkney and those guys weren't necessarily responding to Blake Baker the way that they did Manny because okay. Manny had been their coach all the way through, you know? And so I think this is more about the head coach stepping in, getting guys to execute the defense the way they, they want versus, uh, the way things have maybe been the last two years where maybe some guys aren't, aren't as bought in with, with Blake Baker in charge. Okay. Uh, and that's not a knock on Blake. I think Blake's a good coach. I think LSU hired a good coach. I just think sometimes it's chemistry issues, it's locker room right. issues, it's, you know, what, who, who they follow. And I think Manny, having run the defense for three years, unfortunately, uh, there were some guys I don't think had necessarily adapted the way they needed to uh, to Blake. And your first question, again, just refresh me because I was thinking, while you were talking about Manny Diaz, I was thinking about everything I was going to say about Manny. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, no, because, I mean, I'm not the only one, and I've seen it, you know, on the timeline. And, you know, there's oh, a Amari. about Amari, yeah, about, you know, maybe a potential, well, not a permanent move because this late in his career is probably not going to happen, but he looks more like a linebacker play. He has definitely more of a linebacker mentality. Has that been any type of, you know, thought amongst coaches to maybe try him out there in certain situations, maybe? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Manny mentioned the other day how, you know, they may have guys moving, you know, from striker to DB and, and so forth and, you know, weak side, et cetera, that they're going to basically be looking at the best way to position guys and where to play them. And I think Amari mentioned he's gained 10 pounds. His body fat is up to 10%. And I think that's certainly a possibility. I think if, especially if Miami's, you know, younger guys don't come through and don't step up and start to show signs that Mm -hmm. they're better at the position. I mean, I think we lost Manny there for a second. Frank's working on getting him back, but, um, Amari Carter adding 10 pounds, excuse me, that made my head hurt just thinking about it because he's he's coming for your head. He's back. Go ahead, I'm, Manny. I'm sorry about that. I, no, no, no. It's okay. Um, I, I was just saying about Amari, about you know him putting on the weight and everything. I, I think ultimately you know, Manny's just looking to see where guys are best positioned. I think if the linebackers don't develop uh, the way that they're supposed to, um, you know, the guys like Avery Huff and Sam Brooks Jr. and some of the weak side linebackers, um, I think there's a chance either Miami dips into the transfer portal once the spring is over and you see a bunch of guys enter the portal, right? Guys right. that are disgruntled with other schools. Right. Um, you can see them address that there, or or maybe they give Amari a look at, at, at weak side linebacker. I'm not sure. I mean, it's just going to depend. It's, it, obviously, we're not out there. It sucks. We can't be out there to watch any of these practices. Right. You know, there's no media allowed because of COVID and everything. But 
um, you know, from from people I've talked to and reports that I've that I that I've been getting, it, it, Manny's basically going into this as, hey, this is our this is our time to sort of get a good look at everybody and to see where we could best utilize their skills. And I mean, look, they already uh, moved Zach McLeod to defensive end, right? Mm-hmm. So who's to say there couldn't be more more true. position switches here in, in the time ahead? True, true. Okay, okay. Good outlooks all around through. Uh... So far through Kane's uh, summer, I'm not, not summer, but spring camp, and um, we're looking for, for for improvement, man. Like you said, Manny, this is year three and a really, really important year for for Manny and the program, and um, I really appreciate you taking your time to come on. I know I reached out to you just a couple days ago, and you, as always, I really appreciate it because you don't, you've, you've really never said no, and you like coming on, talking Kane's football, not just with me, but anybody that pretty much asks, and I just want to say thanks, man. I really appreciate your contribution to the show. Hey, man, anytime, Mike. Thanks for uh, bringing me on and uh, letting me talk a little bit about the team. All right, cool. And um, we'll, we'll do this again sometime soon throughout the season. All right, man. We will. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Or actually, Frank, uh, I'm not sure if maybe we can skip through the break. Uh, you do whatever you got to do. All right. Well, we're just going to keep it right here because while this is fresh in my head, uh, we're going to go ahead and stick around just for a few minutes and just a little reaction as to what we just heard from Manny Diaz of The Athletic. And obviously, he's plugged into the program. Has Navarro. What did I say, Manny, Manny Diaz? Diaz yeah. <laughs> Manny Navarro of The Athletic. And um, he's plugged into the program, obviously. And just wow, man, especially what stood out to you the most, I don't know, but what stood out to me, 4% body fat for Jafari Harvey, excuse me, that should be illegal, because I'm going to go ahead and look him up really quick, Jafari Harvey, and I'm going to f- find out exactly what, you know, his his uh, height and weight is at Miami, and granted, these aren't always the most accurate readings or, or, you know, measurements. They have them listed at 6'4", 245 on the Miami Hurricanes website. Let's say that's accurate. He probably weighs a little bit more than that. I think Manny just said he weighs like in the 250s. But 4%, and the guy isn't slow, okay? The guy's not no, no, no. I mean, he's an edge rusher, all right? He's a guy that gets to the quarterback. He likes to play meet you at the quarterback, and he likes to make his presence known. The 4% body fat, the last time I heard something ridiculous like that was when Alan Bailey was a freshman coming out of Sapelo Island, Georgia, okay? And what was it, 08? I think it was part of that 08 class or 09, whatever it was. Um... Alan Bailey came at, out of his senior year in high school weighing 260 pounds. He was a linebacker. Everybody said, oh, no doubt he's going to end up playing with his hands in the dirt in his, you know, down the line in college. And I really was hoping that was not the case because what I was hoping for was like a LaVon Kirkland type of player. And I was really hoping that he stayed at the linebacker spot because another guy that, you know, that Alan Bailey was obviously huge, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he was no slowpoke either at middle linebacker. Okay, I think he ran like a four six. Remember, this was way way back in the day when you had like a four three, and it was always a four three. You could afford to have a middle linebacker not be the fastest guy on the defense. Allen Bailey at two sixty had six percent body fat. Okay, this is insane. Okay, that's it. I mean, I just want to see what Jafari Harvey looks like in person on game days because four percent, and you know he wasn't lying. That's that's very impressive. And that goes to the commitment and the buy-in that these guys are having in terms of conditioning. And you wonder about their focus. Listen, if everybody is as focused 
with their conditioning and their uh, nutrition as Jafari Harvey has been in the offseason, then watch out, okay? Because, listen, Miami has a built-in element to win down here, and that's called the weather, the humidity factor, all right? You get into the fourth quarter and you're better conditioned than other teams, then you have that built-in element that other teams aren't used to dealing with, and that's the weather because you practice in it all the time, all right? Miami would win games off of conditioning alone, okay? Forget talent. When conditioning alone, teams are were in, I think it was, uh, I think it not I think, but it was the Art Kehoe interview that uh, Kane's Insight had uh, put on Twitter just a couple, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, and Art Kehoe was talking about how these teams were in the second quarter in terms of how they were playing and how they were looking. They were in their second quarter in terms of uh, how they were playing in the first quarter. Miami was in the third quarter when teams were already, you know, already in the fourth quarter. And by the fourth quarter, by the fourth quarter, when teams came around, those teams were done. And Miami's fresh, maybe looking like a second quarter, third quarter team. So Miami has to take advantage of that. And Miami has so much depth. Yes, I said it, depth. This is something that Miami was lacking not too long ago, okay? I talk about all the time people taking offense to transfer portal U. Why are you taking offense to that? If that's Miami's clearest advantage in 2020, 2021, whatever, whenever it is that, you know, transfer portal became a thing and everybody decided to just jump ship all of a sudden. And it's not, not to say that it was never around or not as uh, – not as well actually no I take that back it was always around but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now and I will take full pride and full whatever you want to call it and being caught that transfer portal you want to come down here for one year you can make my team better okay fine these other teams in the SEC have their own advantages okay Alabama has advantages that I don't even know of okay I'm sure Florida has their advantages Tennessee has their advantages there's teams in the Pac-12 that have their advantages Oregon has something called Nike and Phil Knight I have something called the weather I have something called paradise I have something called beautiful beaches and beautiful people that live here in an international city and I have something called the transfer portal that if you want to take advantage of your last two or three years or one year of college football you know eligibility you want to go ahead and make a name for yourself look at Charleston Rambo I mean this is a guy that two years ago he was the best receiver on um on a Lincoln Riley offense okay you want to come down here Miami sure fine with me People need to get away from that. And I said all that to say this, that um, Miami's depth is no longer an issue. Miami has depth on the defensive line, okay, at not just the defensive end position, but I think defensive tackle people are kind of undermining how good Miami's D-tackle rotation can be. I said last year, and Nesta had, I don't want to say quietly, but he had a very, very good season that went kind of under the radar just because he didn't have 10 sacks. But Nesta was living in the backfield last year, okay? You just need one defensive tackle, okay, to make life hell for the opposing quarterback. Just live in the – just get pressure up the middle. That's a quarterback's worst enemy is pressure up the middle because you could disrupt an offense by doing that. 
ask any quarterback, ask any offensive coordinator, a way to, uh, to disrupt your offense is pressure up the middle because you got nowhere else to go after that. You combine that with guys like Jafari Harvey with speed rushers, uh, having 4% body fat, excuse me, that's a recipe for what I call a problem, okay? A big-time problem. And then you have guys, it seems like Miami has 20 safeties on the roster, which I have no problem at all with. Why? Because they're interchangeable pieces, all right? You're talking about guys, you, you, look, Gilbert Frierson, a guy that came in playing cornerback, not a guy that you want to play cornerback right now all the time but I saw him lined up at cornerback a few times last year and I'm sorry I thought that there was no way in hell that he would have the foot speed to play that position any longer I was wrong okay so if you need him to in a pinch he can do that okay Kiriantra Smith came in as a safety he's a striker now a guy that could play two positions Chase Smith is probably not going to see the field a lot this year but um let's say he does at, at least next year we all know that he will that's a guy that's probably going to see multiple positions in the secondary okay Jalen Harrell we talked about uh, uh, Vontae Williams you heard what Manny Navarro not Diaz had to say about him Bubba Bolden Clearly was the uh, one of the top safeties in America last season. And then as the season progressed, he was kind of out of position more than we saw towards the beginning of the season. The reasons for that, I'm not sure what they were. I'm not sure how much we're going to see of Cameron Kitchens. Uh, Gervin Hall is a guy that's established in the, in the, uh, in the secondary. And we talked about um, Amari Carter, a guy that has a linebacker mentality. Say what you want about the guy, okay? But there's something to be said about your money year in college football or college sports period. You know this is your last year, okay? And maybe you haven't had the career that you wanted to have up to this point. Or maybe you haven't, or to say it differently, maybe you haven't had the career that others expected you to have at whatever program, at whatever sport. But the light bulb goes off and you say, you know what, this is this is it. This is it for me. This is my money year. And if I want to make an impression at the next level, I got to put some some serious film on tape. So maybe, you know, this is the year that we see it go off for Amari Carter and he puts it all together. I'm all for it because, listen. The knowledge is there at the position. He's probably one of the, uh, not probably, but he better be one of the, uh, he's already one of the most experienced safeties, but he better be one of the, better be one of the more knowledgeable safeties on the team. You got to rely on him in terms of his experience, okay? You just don't put a guy down uh, because he's not uh, contributing 100% all the time. You're in the secondary, you're going to get beat, all right? It happens. Deion Sanders got beat. Ask Michael Irvin. He beat him regularly okay and so it happens to the best of them that's my point but Miami is deep enough even in the secondary I talked about their defensive line play but Miami's deep enough even in the secondary to put guys in if you're not having a good series put guys sit guys down if you need to sit down and take notes and say hey man look you know uh, accountability that's what Miami was built on offensively and defensively in you know in 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 their heyday all right so there's a lot of things that let me not say that. I was going to say, let me not say that. There, the potential's there, obviously, and that's always been the case for Miami. And I know everybody's sick and tired of, oh, I'm tired of the potential being there. I want to see it manifest on the field. But something sounds different about this year, especially when you hear Traveris Robinson talk about we're going to go best on best in practice. Wasn't that music to your ears when you saw, like, the first three or four interviews of Traveris Robinson talking like a Miami hurricane? I mean, if I didn't tell you that that was Traveris Robinson talking, you would probably think that it's a former player that suited up here. All right, because he was talking like a hurricane. 
And this is a guy that played SEC football at Auburn, all right? But he sounds like he was born and bred in this program, and he just sounds like he belongs here. And I'm sorry, but that rubs off on the players. Everybody knows that it comes from the top. Well, guess what? You got one of the best recruiters, one of the best coaches in the land coaching the secondary. And then you got an understudy in Demarcus Van Dyke taking notes or, you know, holding the clipboard, walking around behind uh, uh, T-Rob, wherever he goes in the meetings and taking notes, this, that, and the third. Miami's in a good, good position for if and when Tavares Robinson moves on. They probably shouldn't miss a beat with uh, Demarcus Van Dyke. All that I said to say what? Um, like I said, Miami has interchangeable parts all over the place on defense, okay? And Miami can play five guys in the secondary if they wanted to. We saw a lot of three-man fronts last year, especially, uh, you know, in obvious, obvious past situations. Uh, there is a situation that I like to point to a lot when it comes to Miami football, and hopefully we see a lot of this, you know, this year. That famous play, and I was actually, I was bored the other night, and I was watching uh, the replay. I pulled up YouTube, and I watched the 2017 game uh, when and Notre Dame uh, came down here to scrimmage Miami. And so um, that famous pick six that Trajan Bandy did and when the place went crazy right before halftime, there were three true freshmen on the field at that time, okay? It was Trajan Bandy, obviously, who caught the pick six. Uh, Jonathan Garvin was on the field. And Amari Carter was lined up at D-tackle. He obviously didn't rush the quarterback, and he backed off. But it's things like that that I'm hoping we see a lot more of, okay? And guess who the defensive coordinator was in that game? It was Manny Diaz. So, you know, a lot of people throwing slight at Manny, I, I, I want you to shut up and just let it play out, okay? And, 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 and stop just... It seems like you want them to fail, honestly. I know, I know that people call themselves Miami fans, but you wouldn't tell it by the things that they say on the timeline and how they hope for Manny to do this and how they hope for Manny to do that. But yet they'll really quick and say, listen, I want him to succeed. But, you know, whatever. No, you don't want him to succeed if, you, if you're saying all of these ridiculous statements that you normally, uh, you know, put on your TL. The mute button is a beautiful thing on Twitter. I love it. And so, listen, man, I'm excited and we all should be, and we all have been, and this is not the first time as fans that we have been here, all right, because I was excited after the, that 2008 recruiting class that uh, Randy Shannon brought in, and it resulted in nothing, okay? It didn't even result in a bowl win, all right? Um, I was excited after bringing in Mark Rick, and despite what you say, okay, Mark Rick did a lot more good for the program than bad. I know I'm not talking about money for the IPF, okay? I'm not talking about uh, deciding to leave here with saying, all right, uh, Miami, go ahead and, you know, go ahead and keep the change. No, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about uh, the impact that he had in his first season when Miami won their first bowl game in, like, forever. I think the, the last bowl game that Miami won before Mark Rick's year one was when Kirby freaking Freeman won a bowl game over at, uh, I think, what, what, Miami beat the Nevada Wolfpack, yeah, I think that was like Larry Coker's last game. I think if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong, you know my Twitter handle. That was the last time that Miami won a bowl game, all right? Mark Richt won the Coastal, the only time that Miami won the Coastal in program history. And then you want to know what I think part of Mark Richt's downfall was, was the fact that 
Miami was a year or two, depending on who you ask, ahead of schedule. So year three, you know, oh, my God, LSU, Miami, you know, you're opening up the season in, in, in Jerry's world, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That team wasn't supposed to be so good in year two. That's how I feel, okay? But expectations are Miami's worst enemy, it seems like. And so Miami's facing that right now. And listen, believe me, I mean, don't believe me if you don't want to, or, or it, but I'm telling you, it happened. Just a few weeks ago, I'm listening to Mark Packer on uh, ESPNU Radio, and um, it wasn't Mark Packer that was on the show that day. It was Jacob Hester and some other guy that broadcasts for ACC Network. He does the football game sometimes. They had Miami ranked sixth in the country. That is not a typo, ladies and gentlemen, or whatever lack of a phrase it is for a typo with when I'm on air, but they had Miami ranked at sixth in the country. They had Ohio State not in the top six. So uh, in no particular order, you're thinking Bama, you're thinking Clemson, I guess Oklahoma. I know A&M was up there, and I can't remember who the fifth team was, but they had Miami at six. Obviously, I'm not – I am not saying that Miami is the sixth best team in the country. Hell no, I don't think so. But – um, some people are nope. paying attention to Miami. I, I hear you. I, I hear you, Frank. Um, Miami are paying. Some people are paying attention to Miami, and um, hopefully, hopefully, we all know that there was a big time culture issue for the past couple years here, and I think it's safe to say that it's starting to bleed its way out, or it has bled its way out, and especially with you know the changes of coaches, because a lot of people in the know within the program feel that there were some coaches that had a problem that were part of that culture problem. That's gone. Okay. That's gone. So, uh, I said all that to say this, um, it's about buying in, it's about accountability and it's about guys just taking their role and bringing it over from practice. All right. Having, a uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A template and following that template. And if you follow that template, it's proven to work. Manny knows how to get it done. All right, say what you want about the type of defense he runs or whatever. That wasn't Manny's defense last year. I've heard, I, I've gotten into, you know, conversations with a bunch of people and, oh, well, Manny's defense is, that's what got him fired at Texas. That was not Manny Diaz's defense last year, okay? And he's going to prove it to you this year, all right? I'm, 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 people on, on, on Twitter, uh, they call me whatever they want to call me for defending Manny. I'm sorry, but I know what I saw. In 2017 and 2018, and I know what I saw when he was uh, coordinating for Texas, you know, when he had bad times and, and good years there, too. And uh, that wasn't Manny Diaz's defense, okay? And I think we're going to see something completely different from Miami football this year, especially on that side of the ball. And I am super excited for the offensive side of the ball because if Manny trusts Rhett Lashley, who, depending on what kind of year he has, <laughs> this may be it, Canes fans. Two years and you're out for Rhett Lashley. Um we just may be seeing Clemson in December in Charlotte, and I hope that's the case. But um, that's my soapbox. I'm going to go ahead and take a break here because I want to come back. There's a segment that I love doing with Frank. Oh, boy. What we got now, Frank? A.J. Green has a new team. The Niners. Tell me. Yes. A.J. Green closing in on the desert. One-year, $8 million deal wrapping up right now. So Arizona's stacking up on those uh, wide receivers. My Niners aren't doing anything this year. This sucks, man. Golly, Frank, you didn't have to say that one for me right before we got on break, man. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. 
I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I... That, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 
Back for the last segment of the show. Talking Canes football with Manny Navarro. Last segment, and then I had my own little input because I just have to. <laughs> Talking Canes football, literally bleeding. I'm sorry, literally bleed orange and green with those guys. But in any event, listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And, you know, we're just going to talk Frank and I here. So, Frank, you sent me this bracket challenge. Thank you. All right, I wanted to ask you. Have you ever had, like, a really good bracket that's gone, like, deep into March Madness that you've been impressed with? Or have you just, like, f- bombed out after, like, the first round? I think No, I think it's happened to me actually two or three times that I've actually been, like, in contention to win. I think I won once. Really? Um, but the problem with it, man, is that I don't like doing chalk. I like doing my own thing. Mm. I like picking upsets. I like, I mean, even yeah. though a lot of it is guessing. It's like a lottery ticket. It's a big ass lottery ticket. It's what it is at the end of the day. I like taking the guesses because it's no fun. Like like we're gonna be talking about it as the weeks go on on the show. And how how fun would it be? Is like you're like, all right, you pick the eight over the nine. You pick the four over the three. Exactly, you, bro. The, 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 the numbers are there. If you're gonna follow the numbers, and you're not having fun with it. So right. the purpose is to try to just take some guesses, and then you look smarter at the end of the day if they come right. <laughs> I there was one year that I was like, oh, this is it. This is you know whatever. And it was one of those things. It was like, it was the year that Duke lost in the first round to somebody. It was Jabari Parker's. I think he was one and done, right? I can't remember if Jabari Parker went one year or two years at Duke, but it was one year, the year that Jabari Parker was the thing at Duke, and they lost in the first round. And I'm like, what? I didn't even want to pay attention to my bracket anymore. I was pissed off. My bracket has always been the biggest joke. It's like you said. It's most of it is luck. It's like throwing darts in the dark. That's that's basically what it is. And um, uh, last year, the year before, what we did was um, Amigos uh, co-host at the time, Danny Good, he kind of decided to make a mockery of it. Oh, and yeah. he wanted to prove that it wasn't as, 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 I guess, as factual or as professionally picked as everyone may think it is. So instead of him actually doing legit picks, he ended up doing a mascot challenge. Oh. So which mascot would win in what against oh, what wow. mascot? <laughs> and then he put... If it's an aerial and one's a fish, the aerial would swoop down and pick him up because the fish has no defense. So he did the analytics on every single game, which mascot to which. First round, not kidding you, he went 15-1. and one. Wow. That's impressive. Then he, That's regressed, he regressed to the mean after that. Right. But first round, he went 15-1. and one. And we're talking about two years ago, there was a good amount of upsets in the first round. Yeah, yeah. He hit all the upsets. No way. That's hilarious. See, uh, that's that's creative. That's something that I would have never thought about. But I'm going to pay attention to that. It's really pretty. It's probably something that um, should be entertaining. You know what? Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if it's changed since because it was a couple weeks ago that I heard about it. Did you hear about the guy that had, I think it's Bitcoin, the guy that, because apparently you have a password, right? And once you have invested, you know, you have an account with them and you have your money in there, it's one of those things that, for whatever reason, it does not allow you to change your password, okay? You can't change it. So the guy has, like, millions of dollars in his account, and he forgot his password. No, 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 no. Apparently, you have so many, let's say it's three or four chances. I think it's, I think the number's 10. You have 10 chances to try and get it right, and once you don't get it, like that 10th one, that's it. You can't log in anymore ever again for the rest of your life, and your money is gone. The guy's down to like two chances, and he cannot remember his password. Oh, my and he God. Has like he has like a boatload of million dollars in there. He cannot remember because he, he wants to withdraw his money. He wants to get his money, and he can't remember his password. 
What kind of crap is that that you cannot, that does not allow you to reset the password? Like, forgot password, and it doesn't let you do that. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Big time. Like, like wow, man. I feel so bad for I would be so upset. Like, I'd sue. I think I'd sue. What do you mean I can't reset my password? Like, it's me. It's clearly me. I'm the only Frank Fernandez here. Like, this is me. This is my social security. He can't get it, man. How can that be possible, though, that they only allow you 10 chances to get it wrong? That's not right, man. Wow. Once the guy strikes out, that's it. His money's gone. It's lost forever. I think I'd lose my marbles. Not I think. I would lose my marbles. Like, I would, I would go postal on somebody. That sucks. That's not fair. Um, so his name is Stefan Thomas. Um, he invested back in 2011 on Bitcoin. There you go. Um, when it was just two dollars, and now, bro, this isn't even older. So this was back in January. He's been trying to find a, a code back in January, <laughs> and back in January it was thirty-five thousand per Bitcoin. Now it's close to sixty thousand per Bitcoin. Oh Woo! That sucks, bro. That guy. Well, it was Mr. Thomas is probably. I don't know. He's done to his last strike, I think. He, he had $225 million in that account. Dude, that's not fair, man. That's not right. $225 and you have access to none of it if you can't remember your password. No, that's, that's mm-mm, mm-mm. Today is March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day, dude. Happy St. Patrick's Day, dude. Do you have any Irish in you? I do not. I got green on. I see you don't. So <laughs> I, I completely forgot. You're getting an Irish beating as you walk yeah, out the door. Yeah, I, I, I am part Irish. Um, that's pretty cool. But I, I forgot today was St. Patrick's Day, Wednesday. And um, I remember a couple years ago when I was living not too far from here, Mary Brickle Village, they would close like the area down. Oh, the entire block. The entire block. And it was it was a party, man. It was so much fun. It was a party, but now obviously that's not going to be the case. But um, I've never had green beer. Have you had green beer before? Oh, uh, I have. I went to Savannah a couple years ago, and we oh, did yeah? the St. Patrick's Day on the boardwalk. It's just food coloring. Really? Oh, okay, that's okay. And the other thing, I know you're from Chicago. That river is green. Yes, like, sir. Yes, how sir. long is that? How do they do that? That they, must be really cool. They have boats that go up and down the river, just dying it constantly. Oh. So the river stays green throughout the entire day. They do something similar in Savannah with the with that river, but that river is a lot wider, so it's a lot harder for it to stay green. Wow. They have a tugboat in Savannah that actually blows like I guess green fluid or green colored water into the area, so it stays green for a while. But since that river is so wide, that green just doesn't necessarily stick around. Holy crap. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you are have any plans to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, please do it safely. We all know the situation going on, you know, with this global pandemic. It's a beautiful day out there. I mean, I'm looking out behind me, and, I mean, you would want to go out and celebrate however you seem, you know, however you deem necessary, but just do so responsibly. And if you're going to go have some green beer, then, you know, have one for me and Frank and, and, and Larry and I. So um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Have a great day, everyone.
views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.